0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 82, entitled, Paul's Theology on the Relationship Between Jesus and the Spirit, Part 3. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast, as always, is the podcast that has its aim which is to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. I appreciate you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I am your host. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, thank you so much for supporting us. And if this is your first time, welcome, and be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We are cautiously working through the theology of Paul to better understand how he regards the interaction between the risen Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, with the hopes of better understanding the two. We have initially observed that there is some overlap between the role of the risen Jesus in the purposes of the New Covenant and the activity of the Spirit, noting that the Spirit acts as the extended power of God that both raised Jesus from the dead and will raise the dead in the future. The Apostle Paul seems to regard the experience of the new covenant people of God as expressing the character and even the behavior of Jesus while at the same time conveying these experiences as involving the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul details, in quite a few passages, the reality of the Christian life as exhibiting Jesus' behavior as almost synonymous as life in the Spirit. Sometimes it is difficult to pin down whether these experiences are because of Jesus or if it is because of the Holy Spirit, primarily because it seems to involve both Jesus and the Spirit at the same time. This leads to many passages seemingly attributing actions to both Christ and to the Spirit without necessarily equating the two as if Jesus was the Spirit. This, of course, is one of the many complexities of the Apostle Paul. This episode will look closely at these texts, attempting to better understand how Paul regards the interplay between Jesus and the Spirit within the experiences of the redeemed people of God. I want to confess as I have in these more recent episodes, that Paul is sometimes not as clear as I would prefer, leading to perhaps some disagreement on how best to interpret him. So I intend to navigate the Pauline corpus cautiously and in humility, because I have been wrong before. I also want to credit the writings of James Dunn for much of the motivation of my thoughts presented here today. So let's begin by looking at these texts. Our first point today is Paul's basis for relating Christ and the Spirit. The best passage that I've found that accomplish this is Romans 8, verses 14-17. through I'm going to read this passage. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these... Are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. For indeed, we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. That's Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. Very powerful passage that details a lot of the interaction between Christ and the Spirit in the experiences of the people of God. Sonship, as we can see here, sometimes translated as adoption, but it really means sonship, the act of bringing people into a family where God is the father is determined for believers by the experience of being led by the spirit. In other words, those who are walking in accordance with the new life made available by the Holy Spirit demonstrate their sonship in the family of God. Furthermore, This very Sonship makes them co-heirs with Christ, since he too is a son of God. So you can see there's a relationship between the Sonship of Christ and the Sonship of believers. And being children of God is demonstrated and authenticated by a life that is being led by the Spirit. Moreover, Paul remarks that those who have received the Holy Spirit are able to cry out the Abba, Father, confession that was spoken by the earthly Jesus. Note the clear connection between the Jesus character, the Jesus behavior, one might say, of the believers, and the result of receiving the Spirit. Those who receive the Spirit say the same things that Jesus said. Let's look at another passage that seems to make this connection. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. Paul says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians twelve three. Paul begins his conversation in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, about the Spirit's role in the Christian community by noting that a confession to Jesus' Lordship in their lives is made possible by the Spirit. Again, I want to read what Paul says. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This demonstrates their interrelationship the interrelationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus as the risen Lord. Those who possess the Spirit will authenticate their experience with a commitment to Jesus as their Lord. And by confessing to that lordship and submitting to that lordship, the lordship of the risen and exalted Jesus, they will, in the theology of Paul, be conformed to the image of the Son. There again, we can see the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Our second point today is that the transformation into the image of God involves both Christ and the Spirit. Paul is an extended conversation about a believer's transformation into the image of God in 2 Corinthians chapters three and chapter four it's one of those places where the chapter division is a little deceiving so we're going to read passages from both second Corinthians 3 and second Corinthians chapter 4 I'm going to start in second Corinthians 3 verse 18 Paul says but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. That's second Corinthians 3:18. This is one of those passages that's a little wordy, a little confusing, and we wish that Paul would be a little clearer so that we can understand what he's trying to say. Now I've argued in a previous episode that the Lord here is a reference to the Lord God, specifically God the Father whose presence is experienced by the Spirit, just as Moses experienced God by the Spirit in Exodus thirty four. Because of the Spirit, believers are being transformed into the image of God. That's what Paul is actually saying here. But the manner in which this occurs continues on in the next chapter, Second Corinthians chapter four. But what we want to get out of this passage, 2 Corinthians 3.18, is that believers are being transformed. It's a process into this image, the image of God, and the image of God's transformation that is experienced by believers occurs because of the Spirit, the presence of God. Let's move on into 2 Corinthians 4.4, where we learn that, quote, Christ is the image of God. Christ, who is the image of God, 2 Corinthians 4.4. Now, Christ here is already described as the image of God. And we have the same word for image, the Greek word ekon, which was employed earlier in 2 Corinthians 3.18 to refer to the very same image of the Lord God that believers are in the process of transformation to become. So Christ is already the image of God, and believers, because of their experience with the Holy Spirit, are being transformed into the same image of God. This again marks the overlap with the Jesus character of believers and their experience with the Spirit. Let's look a few verses later in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, where Paul says, For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. That passage is always a mouthful. We have this long train of genitives, we have light of the knowledge of the glory of God who is in the face of Christ. What we see in this passage, though, in regard to our study, is that God, who by the way is experienced by his spirit, gives to believers the light of the knowledge of his glory. This glory, by the way, which is observed in the face of Christ. Here is another connection between Christ and the experience of the Spirit for believers. This is likely how Paul can speak in Romans 8 verse 29 about believers conforming to the image of the Son. Paul says in Romans 8:29 that believers are conforming to the image of the Son because the Son is already in the image of God. So to conform to the image of the Son, brings believers into the image of God that we share with Jesus, who is already in the image of God. Let me word that differently. Christ is the image of God. Believers are in a process of transformation into that very same image of God. So if believers are conforming to the image of the Son, then naturally they are conforming to the image of God. Because to conform to the image of Christ, who is already the image of God, is ultimately being conformed to the image of God. This happens because of the experience of the Spirit. Our third point today is that Christ is experienced by the community of believers through the Holy Spirit. It's a very important passage to note here in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12-13. through Paul says, for even as the body is one, and yet has many members, so all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, or the slaves or free, for we were all made to drink of one Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12-13. through 13. I think this is a really Interesting passage, and it's a very helpful passage for our particular study. What we can note is that the reception of the Holy Spirit at one's conversion, naturally, is what brings believers into the body of Christ. That much seems very clear. But this passage is also helpful because it helps us to accurately plot how Paul sees Christ and the Spirit functioning in the lives of the people of God. We can note that the Spirit, for Paul, is what brings people to Christ, Christ being the head of this new family. Christ, of course, is in heaven at God's right hand. But Christ is experienced by the redeemed people because... Of the Spirit. In other words, it is the Spirit that connects believers to the risen and exalted Jesus, meaning that Jesus can be experienced by the Spirit, even though Jesus is in heaven. The same theology can be exhibited in Ephesians chapter 4, where the Spirit holds the many members of the body of Christ together. The Spirit is what connects those believers to Christ. This is probably, in my humble opinion, how Paul came to coin the phrase Spirit of Christ and its many synonyms Spirit of Jesus Christ, etc. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the complex interaction between a Christian's experience of the risen Jesus and the Holy Spirit, is described by the Apostle Paul in a variety of passages. Examining them together helps clarify Paul's theology on the role of the exalted Christ and the interaction of the Spirit within Christian communities. First, we noted that those who are living in accordance to the Spirit's leading exhibit the behavior and character of Christ, even addressing God as Father, just as the earthly Jesus demonstrated. The Spirit also confirms the commitment to making Jesus one's Lord. Second, we observe that the process of a believer's transformation into the image of God is made possible by the Holy Spirit. And this image can be verified in the face of the risen Jesus who is already the image of God. If believers conform to the image of the Son, then they naturally transform into the image of God because Christ is the image of God. This process of redemption is due to the experience of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, we noted that The Spirit connects believers to the risen Jesus, who is the head of the body. Christ in heaven is experienced by the new covenant people of God because of the Spirit, so that the reception of the Spirit reorients believers into a body that is headed up by the heavenly Jesus. What is interesting to point out in our study, is that while Paul is able to hold God, God's Spirit, and the risen Jesus in this complex web of interaction, Paul never once states, suggests, or hints that these are three distinct persons within the Godhead. The Spirit is still God's Spirit, belonging to God, but shared with Jesus at his resurrection, and employed to bringing believers into fellowship. But this Jesus remains the son of the one God, and is even considered an heir of God as believers are heirs of God. The spirit for Paul is how Christian communities experientially connect to the risen Jesus. If you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out this episode's description for a PayPal link, and thank you so much for those who have supported the podcast in the past. Thank you so much for listening to us. Hopefully this has helped you to better understand Paul's theology of Christ's interaction with the Spirit. My name is Dustin Smith. I appreciate you joining us at the podcast. Until next time, please take care.